Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, 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 it's Monty and this is the Rockcast. And what's the listen to this jerk? Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it so much. And, uh, you know, I hope you're doing well during this time of total insanity. And, you know, I'd really like to start out this show today by talking about riots and looting and viruses and social distancing. And I would love to tell you whose life matters and whose doesn't. But, nope, I'm not going to do that. I might do that later, but uh, not right now. Thank God. So what am I going to talk about on today's show? Nobody cares! Well, I'm glad you asked, because you know, last episode, uh, I made the show all about me. And to be honest, I didn't know if anybody was going to like that or not, but apparently everybody loved it. They're not saying that. And I should probably do the same thing again today, but uh, at the risk of losing all kinds of listeners, I'm going to make today's show all about you. Wow! That's right, I'm going to be answering your questions and reading your comments and uh, reading your lists. So I'm taking a big risk here, but I'm going to cross my fingers and see how it goes. And let's start out with a list of things that Keith Deering posted on Facebook. And Keith's a good guy. I think he listens to the show. And uh, I saw this on Facebook, and I asked him if I could use it for the Rockcast. And he said, sure. And Keith is basically just asking for our opinion on each one of these things. For example, the first one is Alice in Chains or Soundgarden. And this is pretty easy for me because I've really never liked Soundgarden that much at all. What's your problem? I was just never a big fan of their music and I never want to hear Spoon Man ever again. However, I've always liked Alice in Chains from the very beginning and I still do. In fact, if Man in the Box came on the radio right now, I would go ahead and listen. And I might even sing along to it. Uh, but I would probably change the words to cat in a box. Shitting in my shit! What the hell is that? Alright, well, uh, anyway, uh, the next opinion that is up for debate is... Either Testament or Overkill should have been in the big four instead of Slayer. Well, even though I probably like Testament a little more than I do Slayer... I actually think that they got the big four correct. Absolutely Metallica, definitely Megadeth. Slayer is legendary, and I actually thought that Anthrax deserved to be in there. Testament is right there, but Overkill? No, not for me. However, I did watch a documentary about a month ago about Overkill called Rat Skates. It's a weird title, but apparently that was the name of uh, Overkill's first drummer. I did not know this. And Mr. Rat Skates did this whole documentary himself. He produced it, and uh, he's actually uh, the guy who does most of the talking in the uh, documentary. And to be honest, I didn't think it was that well done, but it was really interesting. He basically tells the story about how Overkill got together and got started, And he talks about all the stuff that he did to get them noticed and to eventually get signed. 
And I'm talking about everything from flyers to logos to, uh, you know, their stage setup. And you can just tell this guy just worked his ass off. And there's almost always somebody in a band like that. You got to have at least one guy that's making phone calls and making stickers and running around uh, picking up t-shirts and uh, just all that stuff. And apparently in the beginning of Overkill, it was Rat Skates. So if you like Overkill, you might check that documentary out sometime. It's on, uh, what is it, uh, Amazon Prime. I've, I've watched that with my own eyes. Getting back to Keith's list, though, uh, let's see. Uh, next one is Elvis Presley or The Beatles. Are you kidding me? Gotta be The Beatles. I know everyone owes a lot to Elvis, but, you know, I don't recall Elvis ever doing something like uh, Sgt. Pepper's. You couldn't have made a worse comparison. Okay, the next opinion is there was nothing wrong with new metal. Okay, well, new metal, you're talking corn, limp biscuit, uh, you know, Deftones, Linkin Park. It was heavy, it was metal, but uh, they mixed in some hip hop and rap in there. And I actually liked a lot of that stuff. I mean, I think uh, everyone kind of hated Fred Durst from time to time. But for the most part, I thought a lot of those bands were really cool. I loved Korn's first album, and you know, as long as it's heavy, I don't mind if you throw some rap in there. As long as you're beating my face in with some heavy riffs, uh, be my guest, Busta Rhyme. That's what I'm talking about! Alright, this next one's kind of interesting. It's Ballads Killed 80s Metal. Hmm, well, I, I don't think Ballads Killed 80s Metal. I think 80s bands killed 80s metal. And of course, I'm not talking about Metallica and Maiden and Priest. They may have struggled for a little bit, but uh, they didn't go away. And I know the common thought is, well, it was grunge. Grunge destroyed 80s metal. But if you think about it, it was going to happen either way. By the end, I think people had just had enough of the poisons and tricksters and all that stuff, and they just uh, were ready for something new. And a lot of the kids who were into music and rock and roll in the early 90s were apparently depressed and hated their lives. And they could just relate to Kurt Cobain more than they could Brett Michaels. But, you know, that's just me. A stunning amount of uninformed opinion. The next opinion from Keith Deering is Prince is unmatched. The best artist in the last 40 years. You know, when I first read this, I thought, Prince... I mean, Purple Rain was great, but then he had a whole bunch of other stuff that just sucked. But then I got to thinking about it, and it's like, well, who else would it be? I can't really think of anybody else right now. At one point, I would have said maybe Metallica, but they gave us Load and Reload and uh, Sane Anger. And, of course, who can forget Lulu? And so I'm going to have to go out on my own on this one and say Ginger Wildheart. I know that not that many people have heard of him, but, you know, for the last 30 years, he's the best songwriter on the planet. I'll admit I've never heard of the guy. The next opinion is Eminem is a genius. You know, that's kind of a hard one for me because I respect him in a way, but uh, does he play anything? Can he play an instrument? I don't know. But I do know one thing, he can talk and rap really fast. And I, uh, I'm impressed with that, because I don't know how he remembers all those words. He's got a loose screw. That's right, a loose screw. Uh, let's see, Keith says, I love cowbell. 
Well, yeah, who doesn't? I gotta have more cowbell. Next on the list, Keith says, Striper is an amazing band. Well, I know most of the people listening right now believe that because you've told me. I personally have never been amazed by them, but I do think they're very talented. I've just never been a big fan of their lyrics. It's a little too Christian for me, which is kind of ironic because the other day I was on Facebook and I saw these Christians like ridiculing Striper. It was like, uh, they're not Christian enough. They drink, smoke, and cuss. And that's when I thought, oh yeah, that's why I'm glad I'm not a part of that scene anymore. If people are going to judge you that harshly for everything you do, count me out. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. satanic whacked out crap is that continuing on with keith deering's facebook list it's paul simon is overrated you know i think there's probably something with paul simon that i just don't understand or get because i have never liked paul simon i liked bridge over troubled waters with simon and garfunkel but that was about it what is wrong with you next is lady gaga owes her career to madonna and yeah i would agree especially in the beginning but uh, you know the last few years she's actually kind of surprised me she did a great job in that movie the star is born i was impressed with her acting And the songs in that movie were good, too. Uh, She's actually got a good voice. You are insane. Okay, this one's going to ruffle some feathers. It's Aerosmith is way overrated. And, you know, I'm going to have to disagree. I may not like them now as much as I used to, and that whole Janie's Got a Gun ragdoll era was just awful. But that early stuff with rocks, get your wings, and uh, toys in the attic, you can't touch that stuff. That made them legends forever to me. And what the hell do you know, old man? And finally, Keith says ACDC has released the same album for the last 30 years. Uh, well, yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, everybody thinks you have to uh, change and progress and experiment. 
But a lot of times when bands do that, it ends up sucking and their fans hate it. And ACDC said, you know, uh, we're really good at this one thing. If it ain't broke, why fix it? And their fans know exactly what they're going to get, and they love it. And ACDC has been massively successful just doing what they do. And dude, we really want to hear ACDC start doing ballads? I mean, what was Angus going to do? Just stand there? I think not. to Keith Deering for his list of opinions, but I also got this from listener Raymond Bailey. He says, Hello, good and kind Sir Monty. Here's a couple of games of Make Me Choose, starting with I Love Lucy or The Honeymooners. I don't like this game. Well, these were both shows that I did happen to watch back in what, the late 60s, early 70s? And I was young back then, and probably the reason I watched either one of them was either because there wasn't anything else on, or uh, there wasn't anything else on. Ah! You see, we only had about three channels back then, and there were times when it was like, okay, it's either Perry Mason or Lucy. Those are your choices. And I don't remember ever just loving either one of these two, but I would probably say Lucy. And the reason I'll say that is uh, on the Honeymooners, the Ralph Cramden guy, uh, the husband, uh, he was always threatening spousal abuse. It was like, uh, one of these days, Alice, one of these days, pow, to the moon. And you know, I just got the feeling that uh, he was indeed, uh, one of these days, gonna beat the shit out of his wife. Is that so wrong? 
Next, Raymond Bailey wants me to choose between the Marx Brothers or the Three Stooges. Okay, Raymond, uh, I'm starting to think that you think I'm about 80 years old. But no, I'm not quite there yet. I don't think I ever did watch the Marx Brothers, but I did watch a lot of Stooges, and I love the Stooges. So, of course, I'm going to say the Three Stooges. The next one is, okay, once again, he's reaching back into ancient history, but he wants me to choose between the Lone Ranger or the Rifleman. But I actually am old enough to remember these, and uh, I don't remember loving either one of them. I've just never been into westerns that much, but uh, I guess I'll go with the Lone Ranger. What the hell? Sure, why not? The next thing Raymond wants me to do is this. He says, I really love the production and sound tone of the GC album Let It Go. If you would, explain why Alan didn't drum on it and the process for the songwriting for the album and the clips of those random things that added to the overall presentation of the album. Okay, well, I think I've told this story before, but uh, the reason why Alan wasn't on the album is that he quit after we did uh, At the End of the Day. And he told us that he wasn't going to be able to go on tour, and so he just said, I'm going to have to resign. And so we got another drummer and did the At the End of the Day tour, but after that, uh, things were just kind of weird. We really didn't know if we were going to do another album at all, and I kind of decided at that point I was going to do a solo album. And so I wrote 10 or 11 songs that I was going to use for the first Crunchy album, but then we decided that, uh, hey, we need the money, we're going to do another album for Galactic Cowboys. And we needed songs, and so I just took that tape that had all my solo stuff on it and mailed it down to Ben and Wally and let them hear it. And we ended up using seven of those, and Ben had some songs, and Wally had some songs, and we put them all together, and there you go, it was an album. But as far as all the weird things in between songs and that bizarre intro, uh, that was pretty much all Wally. I wasn't down there in Houston when they were doing all that, and when Wally sent me that intro with uh, this guy named Ruben introducing the band, uh, I was like, uh, no, I don't like it. I know a lot of people said they did like that, but uh, not me. I thought it was a little too long. I thought it should have bashed right into T.I.M. And I really didn't think it was that funny. I told Wally, you know, we're not a comedy act. And he said, okay, and he put it on there anyway. And yes, I know, I know, I read a lunch menu on our first album. But would I do that again? No. You see, that was about 30, 31 years ago when I did that. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of things 30 or 31 years ago that I regret. And that was one of them. I know we were quirky and goofy and funny guys back then. But looking back, I don't know if you put that kind of stuff on an album. Because I know a lot of our fans uh, liked it and got it and thought it was cool. But overall, I still wonder if it kind of hurt our credibility. But whatever, it was what it was, nothing I can do about it now, but uh, thanks for the question, Raymond Bailey. I'm glad you liked the album Let It Go. Let It Go? Alright, let's do some questions from Facebook. And I don't remember who posted this, but they said, uh, name a one-hit wonder that you really like. Well, I'll tell you, there's a whole lot of them in the past that I haven't liked. 
for example, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Ugh. Or I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Ugh. And how about uh, Never Gonna Give You Up? God, I hate that song. Rick Astley tortured me with that for a while. And then there was that song, I don't even know who did it. It was a couple of Latin dudes dressed up in suits. But we all know it because it was called the Macarena. And outside of the title of the song, I couldn't understand one word they were saying. And it was like, That sucked. And I'll give them a little bit of credit because I guess it was kind of catchy for me to be able to remember it. But I promise you, I never need to hear that song ever again. But I did look on the internet the other day for a list of one-hit wonders, and I was kind of surprised because there was quite a few that I was like, well, that wasn't too bad. I actually liked that one. For example, uh, Black Betty by Ram Jam. That song kicked ass. Another one was 99 Luff Balloons by Nina. That chick was really hot, even though uh, from the looks of the video, she had kind of hairy armpits. But uh, I forgave her for that because the song was really good. Oh, that was very kind of you. Another band that had a hot chick as its lead singer was the Divinals. And they had the song, I Touch Myself. (laughs) Yeah, the Divinals were a great band. I loved them. But uh, that song had hit written all over it right from the beginning. I mean, who wouldn't want to hear a song that had a hot chick singing When I Think About You, I Touch Myself? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and answer for everyone right now. There is no one that wouldn't want to hear that, especially if you're a guy. There's no doubt about it. Another one I liked was uh, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Remember that song from the Breakfast Club movie? And uh, I like Simple Minds a lot. I actually even saw them live. But that was back in the 80s, and there was actually a lot of good one-hit wonders back then. Like, uh, eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Blinded Me with Science by Thomas Dolby. I like that one. Why? She blinded me with science. Oh, 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 my God. Yeah, but, uh, you know, here's one from the 80s that you may not remember at all. It was a song by a band called The Stabilizers, and uh, the name of the song was One Simple Thing. called the stabilizers and i actually went and bought the album back then because of this song and all those bands kind of sounded the same back then like uh, the outfield or mr mister and i actually liked some of those bands and this album was really good 
I still break it out now and then and listen to it again, and uh, apparently this song was a hit. I did not know that. Another one-hit wonder from the 80s that I love is Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. That was the first song video that MTV ever played. And not only was it kind of prophetic because MTV and videos kind of killed a lot of things, but if I heard that song right this minute, I would start singing along at the top of my lungs. Weirdo! But you know, one of my favorite one-hit wonders of all time is also from the 80s, and it's Martika Toy Soldiers. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, what are you going to do about it? I like that song. Not only was it catchy, it was sung by a hot chick, and you can't go wrong there. And I love the vocals on the chorus. Uh, the harmonies are awesome. Alright, the next question from Facebook is What's something about yourself that sounds totally made up but is 100% true? Okay, how about this? Uh, when I was a young lad, for a short time period, I lived in a religious cult. We all know that. Oh, wait, have I talked about that before? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, how about I once made an appearance on Headbangers Ball? I think people know all of that. Uh, second thought, uh, I think I've talked about that before, uh, perhaps on the last episode. So, uh, let me think. Um, oh, here's one. My band Galactic Cowboys once sang the national anthem at an Orlando Magic game. And on the same night, while I was down on the court and the Orlando Magic guys were warming up, I got to shoot a three-pointer and I made it. And as if that wasn't enough, before we left that night, I got to meet Dr. J and Larry Bird. We already know that, dumbass. Wait a minute, have I told this story before? (laughs) No. All right, well, here's a story that you probably haven't heard yet because I don't think I've told very many people at all. And it happened very recently, and I couldn't even believe this happened. The following story is remarkable. So about a month ago, I did this painting of Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. And when I got it done, I immediately put it up on my website, monicolvinart.com. 
You got that? MontyColvinArt.com. And anytime I put something new up there for sale, I always post something on Instagram and Facebook, and it's usually a picture of the painting, and I just let people know that it's out there. So I put a notification up around 9 o'clock that morning. And a few minutes later, I got a message from my friend Bobby Cannon. And he said, hey, Monty, I just shared your painting of Rick Nielsen on my Cheap Trick fan page. And he said, you should join. It's called the Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. Not the easiest thing to say, but it is a cool fan page. Well, about two hours later after that, I got a message from a guy named Pete Costelli. And Pete said, hey, man, uh, is that painting of Rick Nielsen an original or a print? And I told him, so far, everything I sell on my site is the original. I might do prints someday, I probably should, but right now, everything on the site is stuff that I worked on, it's the original and one of a kind. And Pete said, well, okay, I was just wondering, because I'm friends with Rick Nielsen, and when I saw your painting, I sent a picture of it to Rick Nielsen, I sent him a text, and Rick really liked it. And he said, wow, that's some cool artwork. Maybe I should put that on my website. And Pete asked him, uh, well, do you want me to go ahead and buy it before it's gone? And when I get it, I'll just send it on to you. And Rick said, yes, I want that painting. And when Pete told me this, I was just like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Rick freaking Nielsen wants one of my paintings? And he said, yep, it's true. And I said, well, thank you so much, Pete, for hooking this up. But would you do me one more favor? Would you see if Rick would take a picture with the painting so I could die a happy man? And Pete said, yes, I will make that happen. Well, a couple of weeks went by and I hadn't heard anything. When all of a sudden one day I got a message from Pete that had a picture of Rick Nielsen holding my painting. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I've been a fan of Cheap Tricks since the late 70s. And I've been a Rick Nielsen fan all these years. Uh, I just think he's a one of a kind. And so that was just a great honor and uh, something I couldn't even believe happened. But it did. Epic! So thanks again to Pete Costelli and uh, Bobby Cannon for sharing the pictures. And my appreciation goes out to all of you who have been spreading the word about my art. I'm starting to have more and more people commission me to do paintings, and uh, a lot of the stuff that I post on my website uh, will sell sometimes within a few hours. So things are really starting to go well right now for my artwork, and I'm just really excited about it. Oh, that's fantastic. So while I was talking to Pete about the Rick Nielsen painting, uh, he also said, hey, uh, I used to watch you with Galactic Cowboys. Uh, You opened up for King's X back in the day. And he said, I know you live in Kansas City. Uh, Do you ever hang out with Ty Tabor? And I said, well, you know, Pete, no, I never have. Uh, I know he lives here in Kansas City, but I haven't seen Ty in years. I think the last time I saw him or talked to him was around 2000 or something. And it was funny because, uh, you know, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago. I was on YouTube and I saw that there was this Ty Tabor interview. And it was over an hour long, but I actually sat there and watched the whole thing. And uh, it was pretty interesting. And uh, I already knew a lot of Ty's story because I actually met Ty back when I was in college. 
I went out one night to see them back then. Uh, they were playing clubs. They were a cover band, and they were called The Edge. And I met Doug Pennick that night, and we became really good friends. And I would go see them play all the time, and they were just great. But they ended up moving to Houston, Texas, and playing with a guy named Morgan Cryer. And after they stopped doing that, I got a call to go down and replace Doug as Morgan's bass player. And I got the gig, and that's how I ended up in Houston. So I go back a long way with those guys, back to the 80s. And of course, Galactic Cowboys toured with King's X a bunch. We had the same management. And we were compared to them, and still are, just constantly. I mean, I don't think I've ever read an interview or heard us mentioned without them also saying King's X. And I personally have never really thought we sounded that much like them outside of maybe the Beatle harmonies. I always thought we were a lot more metal, a lot more thrash, uh, we were weirder. And yet, to this day, uh, it's, uh, yeah, they sound like King's X. And I guess maybe for that reason, everybody just assumes that I am a huge King's X fan. But the truth is, is that I haven't heard one of their albums or been to one of their shows in 20 years. I think they're a great band. I love their first album. And I love them as people. I only talk to Doug about once a year these days, but, uh, you know, they're all great. They're good musicians. They're good people. But I'm not a King's X super fan like most of you guys are. I've got my own things that I like. I'm into uh, metal and metalcore and punk. And, well, you know what I like. Uh, It's the stuff I play on this show. It's crap! But anyway, check out that interview with Ty Tabor on YouTube. He talked about how they got started. He talks about his guitar tone. And he said a lot of things that I could relate to, like uh, he talked about the band The Producers. And he said how much he's loved them since the 80s, and I was the same way. They were a big influence on me. And he also talked about being agnostic and questioning everything, and uh, I thought that was interesting. But here's the deal. If you're one of these guys who is a self-proclaimed King's X fanatic, and you go on Facebook every day of your life and tell everyone that they're the most underrated band in history... Well, here's what you need to do. After you're done posting that on Facebook, you need to go to my website, monicalvinart.com. I'm I'm sorry, come again? Once again, that's monicalvinart.com. And there you will most likely find a painting that I did of Ty Tabor. And unless somebody else has beaten you to it, you can buy that painting. At which point you can own it and put it in your King's X shrine. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Well, maybe I will. You know, it's funny how my mind works. I can say one thing or hear one word, and it'll take me back to something that happened years ago. But it's so weird, because every time I say the word painting, which is pretty much every day, my mind goes back to the 80s. I'd just gotten out of college, and I was hanging out in this music store. And I look up and I see this guy in the store that I used to go to college with and I hadn't seen him in a couple of years and he comes walking up and says, hey, you look familiar. And I said, yeah, I had that painting class with you. And as we were talking, I look over and I notice that there's a couple of these teenage punks standing there looking at guitars. And I didn't think much, but as they were leaving, uh, one of them says to the other, come on, I have to get to my painting class. 
And he did it with the whole pinky finger out, really gay. And I thought, okay, so they think because I took a painting class in college that I'm a pussy or possibly gay. Well, to those guys, if they're listening right now, I gotta say, after you left the store, I ended up buying a Marshall amp. And I got in a metal band, made a whole bunch of albums, and toured all over the world. I also married a hot chick, and these days I do my paintings of James Hetfield and Dimebag Daryl, and I sell them and make money. So take that, assholes. Well, you tell everybody they can kiss my ass. All right, just thought I'd share that. Let the anger erupt. Okay, moving on, uh, let's do another question from Facebook. And here's one that somebody threw out there. It's, what were your five most listened to bands or artists when you were in high school? Well, for me, it was The Who, Who's Next, and Tommy. Uh, I was listening to that Peter Frampton album, Frampton Comes Alive. I was also listening to a lot of Rush, uh, mainly 2112 and All the World's a Stage. The fourth one would have been Blue Oyster Cult. But number five, oh man, that's tough. There were so many. Uh, you know, I was into Aerosmith, Boston, Kansas. Uh, I don't even know if I can pick one. Make a decision and do it. All right, you know, I'm going to go with Wishbone Ash. I was a big fan of them right around that time. I still am. And if you like a lot of guitar with your rock, you need to check them out. They wrote some really good tunes, but just lead guitar out the ass every single song. Another question from Facebook, and I believe it was Jeff Allen that posted this. Uh, It says, uh, have you ever met a rock star who was a jerk? Oh, boy. Wow, rock stars that are jerks? Don't do it! Would I ever accuse a rock star of being a jerk? Don't you do it! Well, there were a couple of times when I was on the road. Don't do it! And I met Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. Don't do it, I beg you, I beg you! And, well, you know, he wasn't the nicest guy. I mean, I wouldn't call him a jerk or a dick, I mean, or anything like that. Because here's the thing you gotta understand. When you're a big rock star like that, 
People want a piece of you. They want to talk to you. They want to interview you, hang out with you, touch you, take pictures with you, and they want to get autographs. And this goes on all day long. And I've never been a big-name celebrity by any means, but I still kind of understand. Because when you're on tour, you feel like you got to be on at all times. And there's going to be days when you just don't feel like it. We'd play a show, and we'd be up all night, and uh, you'd wake up in another city. And there was this one day, I just woke up, I stepped off the bus, and here's this guy is waiting for me. Hey, Monty! And I didn't really feel like talking to anybody because I kind of wanted some lunch and just to chill. But I, uh, you know, didn't want to be rude. But I went ahead and chatted with him, and he was a nice guy, and I think we hung out later on that night. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. You expect these guys just to be uh, really nice all the time. And, uh, you know, maybe they just woke up. Maybe they've got a headache or they're hungover. Or maybe they're just in a bad mood. And you're going to meet them and right at that moment they're not feeling like being all that friendly. And you're going to remember them as a jerk for the rest of your life. However, the other thing I've found with uh, rock stars and musicians in general is that a lot of them just have terrible personalities. And I've come up with a theory as to why musicians have such a hard time communicating. And it's because that uh, so many of them spend so much time in their bedrooms and in their houses practicing and getting good at what they do, they don't ever learn social skills. It's kind of like kids now with their phones. They know how to type, they just don't know how to talk. So keep those things in mind when you meet a rock star, and uh, remember that uh, they're not all as nice as me. What? I met quite a few rock stars over the years, and uh, some of them were really nice, and quite a few of them uh, weren't that nice. But the thing that surprised me the most is the guys that you thought would be really arrogant weren't. For instance, I met Kip Winger, thought he would be a dick, he was super nice. I met the late Janie Lane, and he was just as cool as can be. So, you never know, I'm just saying. They're scum buckets. Alright, here's a question from Rockcast listener Eric in Orange County. And he wants to know what I thought of the riots and the protesting that's going on. He says, I don't get what burning and destroying property and businesses has to do with the actions of the cop that killed George Floyd. Well, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, Eric? I haven't heard one single person say that they thought that was okay for a cop to kill George Floyd. Who, by the way, was a criminal. He was not a hero. But at the same time, he didn't deserve to die like that. But does that make all cops bad? No. And I refuse to believe that I live in a racist country. But there's one thing that I'm 100% sure of, and that is that rioting, looting, and hurting people doesn't help anything. All those people going into Targets and burning the place and stealing TVs, that's not protest, that's being a scumbag. And I don't think for a second even one of those lowlifes gave a damn about George Floyd. It appeared to me that he was just a good excuse to steal something or throw a rock through a window. So to answer your question, Eric, I found the whole thing sickening. Kind of like I found this whole year. But I don't want to end this show on a depressing note like that. So I will read one more question from Facebook. 
And it is, name one of your favorite songs ever. Okay, well, one that immediately pops into my head is by the band Thrice. I'll never forget the first time I heard this song. I was in my car, and I pulled into the garage, and it was so good that I just kept sitting there listening to it. And fortunately, the DJ said who it was, and I went out the next day and bought it. It's off the Thrice album, The Artist in the Ambulance, and it's called All That's Left. And this song is so perfect, I can't even explain it. The melody is great, the harmonies are awesome, and the riff just crushes my skull. So I'm going to play the whole song, and I hope you like it. And hopefully I'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like unless it's me. And rock on.
shows over. I'm tired. 